Hi, I'm Edward Sri, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates the great feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross. It comes every year on September 14th. I love this feast day. This is one of my favorite feasts in the fall season. And uh, I love particularly how it comes here in September, about six months from Lent. So it's like on the opposite side of the liturgical calendar, we have this opportunity to zoom in on the cross. Because surely we think about the cross all throughout the Lenten season. But we're supposed to be pondering and thanking God for the mystery of the cross uh, all throughout the year. And so it's great that the Church gives us this opportunity to focus our attention on the mystery, the, the power, the triumph of the cross. And that's what I want to look at today. I want to look at the rich history. Do you know the history behind this great feast day? The, the great miraculous finding of the cross by St. Helen in Jerusalem. I love to take pilgrims right to the spot where, where St. Helen, Constantine's mother, found the cross in 320. I'm going to tell about that story today. I'm going to tell about the basilica that was built there. And then I want to offer some reflections on the mystery of the cross itself as a, as a, a source of strength and encouragement for our own lives. We're going to look at how the cross is the place that Jesus wants to meet us most profoundly in the little crosses and the big crosses that come up in our lives, how those can be great moments of of strength, of comfort, of triumph in our lives, even though it looks just like on Good Friday. It looks like a moment of humiliation, a moment of suffering, a moment of defeat. Those can actually be turned into the greatest glory moments in our spiritual lives, just like it was for Jesus and his Paschal mystery 2,000 years ago on Calvary. So that's what we're going to look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to give a warm shout-out to a group of amazing young adults I got to be be with here this last week, all the way in Singapore. The St. Ignatius Young Adult Community in Singapore was just a blessed time. I was able to do one of those virtual sessions with them. We, uh, we were walking through my new book on the virtues, The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love, and just had a great conversation about virtue, and they, they were all very, very interested, not just in growing in virtue in general, but how they can do it together in community. Uh, Lay people, uh, just uh, ordinary young adults, uh, some of them married, some of them single, but all wanting to live the virtuous life in imitation of Jesus Christ. So please pray for them, and they're they're striving for virtue and character and and following Christ that way. Uh, And if anyone else is interested in learning about my virtual events like this, you can reach out to me at events.edwardsri at gmail.com, where I can come visit your small group, whether it's in Singapore, San Francisco, uh, or whatever part of the country you're in or overseas. So you can, again, reach out to me at events.edwardsri at gmail.com, and you can learn more there. So let's talk about the cross itself. So the, the, the whole story of the, the cross, whether I lead my Rome pilgrimage or my Holy Land pilgrimage, is always wonderful opportunities to get to know this wonderful saint, St. Helen, and the story of, of, of her discovering the true cross. I love St. Helen. In fact, we named our, our youngest child, Eleanor, actually is a derivative of Helen. And so we will, we will we'll celebrate the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross in the Sri family with Eleanor. It's like her feast day, because that's, that's her great triumph of finding the true cross. But I want to bring you into the story, the, the background of this feast day. So I'll go all the way back to 320 A.D., um, let me bring you back even further to get the background here, um, because I think it's important that you, you understand 
why this was so dramatic. How do we know this was really the cross that she found and this is the place of Calvary? How do we have confidence in this? Well, you know that we know that when people were crucified, the Romans would often bury the instruments of the passion right by where the person was crucified. Christians right away were going to that very spot of Calvary from the, in the very first century, remembering the place Jesus died and, and worshiping there and thanking God for his gift of salvation. Well, there was an emperor in the early first, uh, early 100s by the name of Hadrian who did not like that all these Christians kept coming to this holy spot. And he wanted to wipe out the memory of Jesus and his death on the cross, the memory of Calvary, the location of Calvary. So what he did to prevent the Christians from going there anymore, he didn't just outlaw it. He built a pagan temple to Venus right over the very spot of Calvary. I mean, could you imagine how heartbreaking that would be if you were a Christian and you were going every, you know, every day or once a month, or maybe you'd make a pilgrimage once a year to go to the spot where Jesus died, and now you couldn't go there to worship anymore. They built a pagan, a Roman pagan shrine, a temple uh, uh, over Calvary. That would be so devastating, right? Um, And so it seems like, even this is like the mystery of the cross, because it seems like a moment of great defeat for the Christians, certainly a moment of sorrow but not a moment of defeat, because this is actually what's going to help a couple centuries later. When Constantine's mother, Helen, wants to go to the Holy Land to find the relics of the cross, the relics of Jesus uh, in his passion, she actually has a landmarker to know where to start. (laughs) In other words, Hadrian's temple, which was intended to wipe away the memory of Jesus and his his passion and death at Calvary, actually it becomes a great historical marker for, for Helen to know, okay, it's under here we know where Calvary is. And so they destroy the temple and they start excavating underneath that pagan temple to find the relics of the true cross. Uh, Eventually, they do find various relics that are there, but they found three different crosses, which makes sense, right? Because there was Jesus, the good thief, the bad thief. And um, so they found, they found the cross, but how do we know which one is the true cross? We just have to guess. <laughs> no, uh, what, what happened was the Bishop of Jerusalem uh, took the three crosses to a woman in the city who was dying, um, and, and he touches the cross the first cross on the woman does nothing, then takes the second cross, touches it to the woman's body, does nothing. But then the third cross that was touched to this woman's body all of a sudden heals her miraculously, and she now has life, and she gets up and she walks around, and, and they knew that that was a sign that this, must, this cross, this third cross, must be the true cross of Jesus Christ. So there's great celebration and praising and thanking of God for, for this great gift of finding the true cross. They find, they clearly already know where Calvary is from the, the, the temple uh, that had been built over there. Uh, the, the temple actually uh, helped preserve the wood. If you think about it, uh, Israel is very dry, so the, the wood of the heavy wood of the cross very likely would have lasted on buried underground anyway because uh, there would be not be that much water to 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 dampen it and to destroy the wood but especially with this temple being built over it the little rain that Jerusalem might get would wouldn't you know it would have covered that and wouldn't have wouldn't have allowed the, that moisture to get down to the cross anyway so they have the cross they have the place and they end up building a beautiful church to remember where Jesus died 
uh, and we can go to that church today. Now, it's a much larger complex, a bigger structure than the original one built, um, but the original one was built in 335 AD over Calvary, and whenever I'd go on pilgrimage to Israel, I always loved to take pilgrims right there to the very spot of uh, where Jesus had died, and and we go to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and we can go pray right at Calvary. It's very moving, and then go over to where uh, the tomb is. Uh, so it's all very close in one big section now. But this Feast of the Holy Cross is based on these two great events, the finding of the true cross by St. Helen in 320, and then the dedication of the church built over Calvary in 335. Now, I mentioned that I, I, I talk a lot about St. Helen, not just in Jerusalem, but also in Rome. Why is it important for Rome? Well, it's because Helen brought back the relics of Christ's passion to Rome. And so we can go and visit many different of the relics that were brought back in different churches all throughout the city of Rome. In fact, this coming uh, Lent, I'm going to be leading a special Lenten pilgrimage to Rome, where we're going to focus in on the instruments of the Passion. We're going to go see the relics of the true cross. We're going to see the thorns that were that were in the crown of thorns. We're going to see the nails that were put into Christ's hands. Uh, we're going to uh, get to pray close to the spear of Longinus, the Roman centurion that, that pierced Christ's side. We're going uh, to get to pray near Veronica's veil. Uh, we're going to there's all these relics that were brought back from Rome. We're going to go up the holy stairs, the stairs that Jesus went up and down on the Praetorium. So St. Helen is significant uh, for the church, uh, not just in Jerusalem, but she brought back many these relics that are in various churches throughout Rome. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just a, a great gift that we can go to the city of Rome. I'm excited to go there uh, this upcoming Lent. Now, let's, let's talk about the, the application, though, for our lives. As we're celebrating this feast of the exaltation of the cross, why do we want to exalt the cross in our own hearts and lift up the cross in our own lives? The cross seems scary, <laughs> you know? Uh, when, when people talk about, ooh, you might have to carry a cross, everyone, your, your heart starts to sink, <laughs> you know? Oh, no, there's a cross I have to carry. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid of the cross. Uh, and that's natural. That's human. Um, Jesus sweat drops of blood and agonized in the garden over what was going to uh, he was going to endure. So that's natural. That's human. But we want to be like Jesus, who was also he was he his his human will is perfectly united to the divine will. We want to face the crosses in our life better. And I want to offer just a couple thoughts here. First of all, I think it's important for us to see that what Jesus does on the cross is primarily an act of love not an act of punishment. And I've talked about this before on this podcast, so I won't go delve into that today as much, but I've mentioned before how there's sometimes a misunderstanding of the cross is it's all about punishment and Jesus taking on the wrath of the Father. And, and there is a punishment element to this, but the center of our Catholic understanding of the cross is love, is the gift of love that Jesus offers. You know, it's kind of like any relationship. Um, when you hurt someone... You don't just say, you know, like, if I hurt my wife, you know, I said something mean to her, um, said something that hurt her feelings. I don't turn to her and say, okay, honey, you can punish me now. I, I want to tell her sorry. I want to I show her my love for her. I, I want to perform an act of love, a gift of love to make up for the lack of love <laughs> that I, I should have showed her, you know, that, 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 should, uh, my, my, that should have been there. And that's how human relationships work. You know, so I might put my arm around my wife and say, I'm sorry. So some expression of love. I might buy her flowers or 
you know, clean up the kitchen or go get her chocolate, some act of love to show I love you, you know, to make up for my lack of love. That's how relationships work. The emphasis isn't on punish me now, and then the relationship can be better. (laughs) And the great Catholic tradition has always seen that it's love. That's what the catechism says. It's love to the end that gives the cross its redemptive value. Yes, there's a punishment element, but the heart of this is love. And so I want us to think what Jesus does for us on the cross isn't he doesn't go to Calvary to take our spanking, uh, like that we deserve punishment, but Jesus, you know, took the took the punishment, took the spanking for us. That's not what's happening here. What's happening is Jesus goes and he's fully human so he can represent us. And, um, and he offers his life as a gift, a total self-gift to the Father. And this gift of love is so beautiful uh, because not uh, it's a gift of love that can represent all of us because he's fully human. He, he represents the human family when he offers this gift of love. He's truly one of us, acting on our behalf. But he's also fully divine. So his act of love has infinite value because in his humanity, he's also the Holy, he's the Son of God. He's also divine. He's offering a gift of love, a divine gift of love that, that, that has infinite value. And so he can overcome the, the lack of love that we offer. He can overcome the gap of sin. Jesus loves so much. That's what I want us to see. When you look at a cross, uh, yes, he enters into our suffering and all that, but, but the think of it primarily is he's offering himself as a gift, laying down his life for us. And, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to always to love like Jesus loves, and Jesus shows us the model of love, which is sacrifice. And that's something I need to learn more and more in my own family, to sacrifice for my wife, to sacrifice for my children more. That's what love is. It's not about punishment. It's love. And so the cross reveals to us love, what true love is. The, the God who is love became man in Jesus Christ and offered his life as a gift of love on our behalf to also show us what love looks like so that we may want to aspire to love like he does. But it gets even better, my friends. Love incarnate, Jesus Christ, comes to dwell within us through the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, through his grace. He wants to reproduce his love in us, through us. So he didn't go to the cross so that we don't have to, I think that's what many Christians, sadly, that's what they think. Oh, okay, Jesus went to the cross, so I don't have to. No, Jesus went to the cross so that he could live his cross in you and in me. What is he asking you to do right now? Is there something going on in maybe one of your relationships, your roommate, a colleague at work, your spouse, where Jesus is asking you, let me live my cross through you more. I want you to lay down your life more for your children, for your spouse, for your parish, for this friend, for a certain family member, whatever that is. Jesus did not go to the cross so we don't have to. He went to the cross so that he could live his perfect gift of self-giving love in us and through us in the people around us. That's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to live the cross through us prayerfully consider what is Jesus asking you to do to live the cross in your life, not to run away from it, but to allow Christ to live it through you. Second thing is, the cross is the place we meet Jesus most profoundly. 
It's the place we meet Jesus most profoundly. Yes, we can meet Jesus in Bible study. We can meet him in our private prayer time. We meet him in the chapel, of course. Meet him in the Eucharist. I've talked a lot about that recently. But I think in the spiritual life, it's when we experience crosses that we learn to encounter Jesus, to, to lean on him the most. When we're suffering, when we go through a disappointment, maybe it's a broken relationship, Maybe it's disappointment in how things are going with one of our children. Maybe it's sickness. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's uh, stressful situations at work, interpersonal dynamics with certain people. We experience suffering in this world. We all will. But it's when those crosses come, Jesus is inviting us to meet him there to trust that he's, he's God, he's in charge of the universe. He may not wish this for us, but he allowed it to happen because he knows he can bring some good about it, good from it in our lives. I think in my own life, the times when I've gone through suffering and I've had to rely on Jesus, so much is, uh, good has come out of it. I can think of moments where I, I, I can look back in my life and say, I, I don't think I ever felt closer to God than in the moment of that really intense cross. And it was a hard cross. <laughs> and yet I sensed Jesus there in a profound way. You know, when we're running around life and busy going from one thing to the next and, you know, things are going okay, we, we remember Jesus. We say our prayers. We call on him for help and all that. Yeah, of course. But man, when we are just stripped of everything that we depend on in life, when we are um, really going through the ringer, you know, in, in, in certain kinds of suffering, especially when the, the things that we thought, you know, we needed to be happy and to be secure aren't there anymore, and all we can do is cling to Jesus in this cross, the sense of, the deep sense of his presence is, is powerful. Um, I remember a priest telling me once that he, he did spiritual reduction with a, uh, a man who was in a terrible car accident and like just head on, like out of the blue, like almost died. And then, you know, had many years of recovery and then he's, he's okay now. He has consequences, but, um, but, but he's able to function in life. But this man says that he's never felt closer to God than in that split moment, right as the accident was happening. When the man thought, I'm going to die, and here I am, I'm, I, I don't know what's going to happen to me, I'm in this accident. Like those moments of suffering so intensely, he said that he never felt closer to God. And there was a part of him that misses that closeness. Now, he doesn't want to go back to the accident, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I'm not saying that. But there's that sense of when we're, we, we have to, to completely abandon ourselves to God, to surrender, there's nothing else we can do. That we can, we really can sense Jesus close to us, carrying us, holding on to us, holding us together. Um, so the cross could be a very profound moment for meeting Jesus. Last thing I'll say is this: the cross is also a place of victory, a place of victory. When, when we're uh, think about Good Friday, you know, it looks like Jesus is just a complete failure. He was supposed to, you know, rally all the people and you know, liberate the people from Rome. He's defeated by the Romans. It just looks like from a outside perspective, a human perspective, it looks like a complete, complete failure. And yet 
what happens? It was this, this complete humiliation, suffering, what looks like failure that God uses to then raise Jesus from the dead and save the world, that the resurrection comes and all this, you know. Um, it's an incredible story that Jesus replays in our own lives. And I think about how when we have moments where we feel like we failed, we feel like we're, we're not understood, we feel like we're not appreciated, we're not being treated well, we feel like we just didn't succeed. In those moments, we, we have our Good Friday moments, but it's then that we can surrender like Jesus did and allow Jesus the Father to carry us, to raise us. Like on Good Friday, Jesus breathes his last. He lets go. He entrusts his soul, his spirit to the Father. And then the Father will raise him. And the source of complete humiliation, suffering, and defeat becomes the great moment of victory, of triumph over sin and death. And I just know in my life, different things that have happened where... There's times when I, I just, there's a certain situation with a group of people and it, I'm feeling misunderstood or not, you know, being, not being treated well or whatever. That, that in those moments, I can look back and say, I remember just trying to, trying to fix it and trying to do all these things. And finally, it was only when I just surrendered to it and said, Lord, I, I can't change this. I can't change this situation. I can't change how these other people are treating me. I can't change how these other people are thinking about me. I just surrender this to you. It was when I kind of breathed my last, if you will, and, and joined it to the cross that I saw that God did provide for me. He cared for me, and things worked out in ways I would have never imagined. Um, I could think about projects I was working on, and I'm just trying to make this work, and I'm, I you know, could keep pushing forward. I'm tr- and it, there's all these obstacles, all these problems, and, uh, and I'm just trying to push through. And finally, I just kind of say, you know what? I surrender, Lord. I just don't think... This is supposed to work out the way I wanted. I'm sad. I'm disappointed. I put a lot of work into this. And, and I find when I actually surrender it, then God takes care of me. You know, maybe the project all of a sudden works out, or, or maybe it just never worked out, but another door opened for something else that I would have never done if I had kept just persevering on this thing. Uh, I think this is the mystery of the cross, is when we can learn to surrender to the things around us that we can't control, We can't change. We come to a moment of just putting it in the Father's hands like Jesus did on Good Friday. Uh, I I think it's then that then God does a great miracle in us. He works through us and he cares for us, provides for us. The cross can be a great victory, a place of victory if we dare to meet him there. Uh, So many other reflections we can consider uh, as we are celebrating this week, the great feast of the Holy Cross. Uh, So I want you to... Uh, This week, think about how Jesus may be calling you to love more, or how he may be calling you to meet him in suffering, um, or how he may be inviting you to surrender more to him. Those are three little insights we can take away as we think about the triumph, exaltation of the cross. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, Again, if you want to learn more about those virtual events that I do, you can reach me at events.edwards3 at gmail.com. That's events.edwards3 at gmail.com. And stay tuned if you're interested in that Rome pilgrimage, Lenten Rome pilgrimage coming up this March. You can go to my website to to learn more, uh, or you can reach out to me there as well. Thanks so much for listening, and God bless.